We are glad to see you. We are glad that you're here. Enjoy the extra seating space. Next week, you're back to coach seating as Jerry comes back. But anyway, 2017 began, and many people made resolutions. And some of you in this room, you made resolutions. This year, 22% of people in America, their number one resolution was this, to get in the shape. Some of you are like, yep, that was mine. By this week of the year, six weeks in, 80% of the people who said their number one resolution was to get in the shape have failed. Those aren't very good odds, people. You haven't done a very good job when it comes to getting into shape. Now, we think about getting into shape, and it seems to be pretty easy, right? I mean, we start eating healthy. And so you get rid of all the processed food. Maybe you leave some Oreos hidden in one little section just in case you need to get some. But, but you eat healthy food. You eat vegetables. You eat fruit. Uh, you drink a lot of water. I mean, we do these things because eating healthy is important to being healthy and to get in the shape. You decide to go to the gym. You want to exercise. And so you set up a, a new gym membership at the local gym. Or for some of us, what do we do? We go back to the gym. We got a gym membership in last year. Though we haven't been to in 11 months, but we've been paying for it for the last 11 months. And we show back up again like, hey, I'm here again. I know it's been a year, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stick to it this year. But we don't. Why? Well, it's because getting in shape is actually pretty hard. Here's the deal with getting in shape. Here is the reason I think so many of us struggle with getting in shape. We struggle with getting in shape because we treat it like a hobby. We just do it when we have time. We do it periodically. We do it whenever we feel like it. But when it comes to something like getting in shape, it can't be a hobby for us. It has to be a lifestyle. And today we continue our Life App series. And over the course of this series, we've been talking about certain apps that we find on our phones. And we've been taking those apps and we've said, hey, when you hit an app, you punch the icon there, you get all kinds of data back. Somebody's put an algorithm together. It, it gives you information. But wouldn't it be great if we could actually use our apps to give us life advice? And so what we've done over the series is we've said, let's look at Scripture. Let's look at the Bible. and What life applications can we use to connect with who we are? So we've talked about relationships, we've talked about finances, we've talked about time, we've talked about parenting, uh, we've talked about all these different things, and, and this week we're going to talk about this particular app, we're going to talk about the health app. Now you may be familiar with the health app, uh, it's pretty new to most operating systems, uh, but the health app is a good way for you to keep up with your health, to see where you are, to make sure you're exercising, are you getting all the steps that you need to take. And many of us use it for that, which is great. But today we're not talking about our physical health. We're going to talk about our spiritual health. And how can we be healthy spiritually? Because I'm afraid for many of us, when it comes to our spiritual health, we treat it like a hobby and not a lifestyle. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, Jerry, our lead pastor, read this a couple of weeks ago talking about parenting. We're going to revisit that today. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up here on the wall. Or you can open up your Journey Church app and follow along that way if you want to. But Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, it says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And Jerry talked about how this was a prayer that parents would teach their kids. And every morning when the kids would wake up, they would recite this prayer. And sometimes at lunchtime they would recite it, but every bedtime they would recite it. And this was just something that became natural to them. In fact, they would say this prayer their whole entire life. Now, why does Moses start out in that place? Well, remember that these Israelites have come out of Egypt. So they've been in slavery for about 432 years, and God delivers them from that. So they've been around this society. It's very polytheistic. And Moses is coming back. He's like, hey, guys, don't forget, there's only one God, and it's the God we follow. 
He's reminding them we are a monotheistic faith. And so that's why he says the Lord our God, the Lord is, is one. But then he continues on because what he says next really connects back to that first little part there. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. In the Jewish faith, there were three elements of being a human. You know what they were? Your heart, your soul, and your strength. Moses is telling them, hey, this connects back to what I just told you. If you want to have this connection with God, then love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. He says, this isn't a hobby for us, guys. He says, this is a lifestyle. And so over the next few moments, I want to talk about us being healthy spiritually. What does that look like? And we're going to use these words that Moses says to focus on that today. First here, a healthy heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Um, about a year ago, a little bit less than a year ago, uh, our son Jake was sick, and our girls had been sick, and so Kara's like, hey, my wife, I'm going to take him to the doctor, the nurse practitioner. We're going to see what's going on. We'll give him some medicine. Everything's going to be great. And so she does, and about an hour later, I get a phone call, and she's like, hey, we got the medicine for Jake. That's the good news. The bad news is we need to take him to the ER. So the doctor noticed something that wasn't quite right with his heartbeat, and so he, they, she said, I need to take him right now and get that checked out. So Kara did that, and then over the next few weeks and months, we found out that our nine-year-old son has a junctional arrhythmia. And on February 27th, many of you, if you're Facebook friends of ours, you kind of know what's going on. But uh, February 27th, we take him in, and he has surgery and ablation on his heart to see if we can fix that arrhythmia that's there. So your prayers are appreciated. This connects to the story here. This past week, Jake comes home. He's like, Mom and Dad, I was out on the playground, and oh, I was just so claustrophobic. Now, you're a parent. You know your kid's got this heart thing going on, so your mind's going all over the place, right? You're like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? Do we need to take him to the doctor? Is this a new symptom? Is he okay? Do we need to take him to the ER? I mean, that's the way we do as parents, right? But we caught our breath and said, hey, buddy, can you tell us why you're claustrophobic? He's like, oh, you know, every day I just sit down at the playground because I can't go run around and play like everybody else can because of what's going on with my heart. And he says, I'm just there. And then all of a sudden, all these girls just surround me. Like, that's my boy. <laughs> like father, like son, right? Uh, but anyway, all these ladies are around me, Dad. And, and we said, like, okay, so what, what was going on? What were they saying? He said, they were asking me, Jake, why aren't you playing anymore? Why aren't you running after us? Why aren't you chasing us? He stopped. He said, ladies, here's the deal. I don't think he said ladies. I think he said girls. But he said, girls, look, he said, I've got a heart issue right now. And I'm taking medicine for my blood pressure because his blood pressure is too low. He said, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to have a procedure done on my heart. And when I'm done and when I'm back and I'm healthy, I'm going to chase every single one of you down. I'm going to catch you and not let you go. He is my boy, I pray. As a family who's going through that, and as many of you know within your own families, maybe you've experienced that too or something like that with the heart, you know the importance of a healthy heart. And that's just the physical piece, but it's important for us to have a healthy spiritual heart. In the Jewish faith, the heart is the central part to the human being. It's the place that our um, desires come from, our emotions emanate from. It's the deepest part in each one of us. And if you think about the heart, what does it do? It guides us. It guides us in directions. It guides us to next steps. 
It guides us into trouble. It guides us away from trouble. I mean, it really controls everything for us. It's a metaphor, of course, but the heart is so important to who we are. In fact, if you look up teachings of Jesus and you put in heart, you'll find that Jesus talks about the heart quite often, but he also talks about it quite often being negative. Very few times is it a positive part of who we are as humans. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus says, But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. And Jesus is saying, hey, in the heart, in the heart, that's where our evil tends to reside. That's where our animalistic desires tend to take over. So it's one of those things that controls us in such a way that, that it does have this negative piece to it. And I think that's why in Proverbs, the writer Solomon writes these words, Guard, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. We always talk about that, right? How our heart leads us and guides us. The writer here says, hey, it puts you on the course of your life. Whatever is inside of us is the direction that you and I will take. And so it's important for us to have a healthy heart. But the struggle we have is with our desires. And let's think about the relationship we have with God many times. When it comes to God, we, um, we kind of view God in one of two ways. First, uh, if things are going really well, the marriage is strong, the dating relationships are great, the finances look good, the job is wonderful, commutual short. Man, we're like, God, I love you, but I got this. Everything's good. I know you got more important things to do. Go deal with those more important things. I, I'll, I'll be fine. I can take care of myself. But then the flip side of that is what happens when things are bad. When the marriage is crumbling, the dating relationships are terrible, the commute takes you an hour. When we get to that place in our life, we begin to look at God very differently. In fact, we go back to God and like, God, where are you? Why aren't you fixing this? What are you doing? Where have you been? See, our desires are either for ourselves or our desires are very unhealthy when it comes to who God is. Moses, in this passage, in this prayer, love God with all your heart, he's telling the Israelites, your desire should always be for God. When things are good, when things are bad, when life stinks, when life is wonderful, when your relationships are horrible, and when everything seems to be clicking, Moses says, make sure that your desires are for God. How do we do that? Well, we check our desires. Where are those desires in our life? Where are our emotions, our attitude? And if we can get those in the right place, then we can love God with all our heart. And we can have that healthy heart. Moses continues on here. He talks about a healthy soul. He says, love the Lord your God with all your soul. I love the creation story because in the creation story, God says stuff and it comes into existence. You know, he says, hey, let there be light. And guess what happens? There's light. Let there be sun. There's the sun. There's land. There's the moon. You know, there's vegetation. Hey, let's put some bobcats in D.C. Let's make all this stuff happen. And so everything he says just exists except, except for the last creation. In Genesis 2, verse 7, this is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. It says, then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. It's interesting, the connection that we have with God. Because if we read this, our human soul 
to me, this says that our human soul is directly connected to God's very innermost essence. It says God forms. Uh, the translation there is actually connected to pottery and a potter. So God took a, a ball of clay, and he didn't just throw it on this potter's wheel. and like, hey, it looks a little flat, a little clumpy in a few places, but I think that'll work. What do you guys think? He doesn't do that. No, he, he takes that clay, puts it on that potter's wheel, and he begins to create and form each one of us. And we're all perfect in who we are because God spent the time to create us. But he also did that with everything else. Here it's different. It says God breathed. He breathed his soul into each one of us. Again, you and I are unique from anything else in this earth because God breathed a part of him into us. That passage just speaks to that connection that you and I have with God. And so that means we need to feed a healthy soul. We need to exercise our soul. So I want to share with you three things that you can do to exercise your soul. And some of you are going to roll your eyes. You're like, I know these things. And that's totally fine. Um, But these are things that we have to do. And maybe for others of us, it's a reminder or starting point for us. Three exercises we have to do. Here's the first one. The first exercise, spiritual exercise, is pray. Let's pray. A Pew did some research study a few years ago, and they were doing the study on prayer. Here's what they found. They said that 78% of Americans pray regularly. 41% who consider themselves atheists, agnostics, or nuns, not N-U-N-S, but N-O-N-E-S, uh, pray some. And then over 85% of Americans confronting a major illness pray. Now, they actually did an addendum this past week, which I thought was so interesting about prayer. Here's what they said and what they found out. They found out that 100%, they ready for this? 100% of Patriots fans prayed Sunday night around 9.30 p.m. <laughs> and it worked. Now, I'm not sure who they prayed to. I think I know. But uh, anyway, um, prayer is important. And part of it is there's a physical element to that prayer. Uh, do you know when you pray, it lowers your blood pressure? Your praying can help with anxiety. It can help with depression. I mean, how many times have you found yourself just at this level of, like, I don't know if I can continue on, and you just you make a good decision. You stop and you pray, and like, oh, wow, all of a sudden I feel, I feel different. But it's not about that physical change that happens. It's really about that spiritual connection that we have to the essence of God. When we pray, our soul connects with God's soul. And it's amazing what can happen when we do that. Now, I know some of us in here, like, I don't know how to pray. I remember growing up in a church, and there was somebody who prayed, and he used some really big words, and I can't use those words. I don't even know what those words mean. Does that the kind of prayer I have to do? No. Or, you know, I've been here at this church, and some of the people that pray sound really spiritual. I can't pray like that. Well, that's not your prayer. Your prayer is your prayer to God. And it's the intimate conversation that you and I have with God, which means you can have an angry prayer with God. Which means you can have a prayer full of doubt with God. Which means you can also pray things that are going great in celebrations and thanksgivings. Prayer is your conversation with God, not someone else's. But this is an important part of our spiritual health, connecting our soul to God's. Another exercise, read. So many people ask, what's my purpose for living? What's my reason for being here on this earth? And I think the only way we ever get to that place of understanding that is when we read Scripture. Because we get to find ourselves into God's story. This isn't our story. This is God's story. And you and I get to be a part of it. And when we read Scripture, we connect to that story. 
And not only do we connect to that story, we also understand why our soul is connected to God's soul and why it's so important that we're healthy when it comes to our soul. I get people to ask me what are some books I should read because there's a lot of books in there. I don't think I can read the whole thing. I tried about 14 times and I never got to, through Genesis. Well, don't do that, okay? Here's some advice for you. Three books that I always highly recommend in the Bible. First is Genesis. Don't read past Genesis. You get to Exodus, you'll give up, okay? Just read Genesis. Start there. Genesis really gives us a, a backstory of to who we are today and where we are today. And then also so much that we find in the New Testament connects back to what took place in Genesis. So read Genesis or read John in the New Testament. It's a great book to read. It uh, really focuses on the last seven days of Jesus' life. Great stuff in there. And then the other one is James. James is just a great book because it's real short. So if you're like, man, those other two sound really long. Read James, just a few chapters, but it's all about the way that we live our lives. Spend the time, just taking the time to read Scripture, to connect our souls with God's. And then lastly is journal. And every time I've talked about journaling before in a message, all the guys are like, oh, I can't, I don't like doing that. I understand, guys. I don't like doing that either, and I don't do it as often as I should. But here's what's interesting. When I journal, when I take the time to write out my prayers or I take the time to write down some thoughts of things that I've read, I get to go back, and I've got a history of where I've been in my life and where God's working, where God didn't work, what things I've prayed for and God never answered those prayers, or the things I prayed for and God did more amazing things than I could have imagined. It really is a history, and you get to go back and look at that. And you get to see, and this is the best part, you get to see how your soul is connected more with God's soul because you've spent the time to journal and to read back and see what God's been up to. I mean, these are simple. These are things, if you've been to church, it's all the Sunday school answers, I understand. But the issue is not many of us or not all of us do that. Spend the time exercising your soul to connect with the soul of God. Lastly here, healthy strength. Love the Lord your God with all your strength. Now, that word strength there is actually kind of fascinating. Moses didn't write the word strength. He actually wrote the word very. So this reads, healthy strength, love the Lord your God with all your very. Now, what does very mean? That doesn't make any sense at all. Well, that word very can be defined differently. It can be defined as strength or mind or power or wealth. And maybe your translation uses one of those different words there. But what, what is it that Moses is trying to convey? Well, that word very actually connects to the word resources. So Moses tells the Israelites, love the Lord your God with all your very, all your resources. Which means everything that you and I have, we should use show the love that we have for God. Your home, your car, your family, your money, your job, your technology, your pets, whatever it is. Everything that we have is supposed to be used to show our love for God. And in fact, if you look at those words there, this is all about actions, this part. It's about taking action. See, if our heart's in a healthy place, do you know what will come from us? you know what will emanate from us? We'll use our very, our resources in good ways. And if our soul is connected to God, we're not going to sit back and debate in our minds, should I do this, should I not? It's just going to be a part of who we are. We're going to make it happen. We're going to do it. Why? Because we understand to love God means to love God with all our heart and all our soul 
And then we use our resources to show that love that we have for God to others. But the question is, do we, do we use our very to show God our love? Or do we use our very to show ourselves how much we love me? And I think we struggle with that sometimes. Moses says, love the Lord your God with all your strength. How do we do that? Well, you can see up here on the screen it says give. And every time somebody talks about giving at church, everybody thinks money. That's just a small portion of it. It's about giving our time, talents, and treasures. And then part of that is giving here in this place. But a bigger part of it is how do we use that in the community that we live in? How are you doing that in the neighborhood, the apartment complex, the place that you work? Are you showing your love for God through your resources in all these different areas? And see, I think sometimes we got to think differently. We get stuck, especially if you've been in church for a long time. You get stuck in just sort of this mindset. There's only certain things you can do. No, there's a whole lot you can do. And sometimes we have to think differently about what we can do. Maybe for you, it's uh, invite somebody into your home. You've never done that before, but you want to help somebody. And my wife and I have done it a couple times. One time it was wonderful. It was great. One time it was terrible. We finally said, hey, you need to leave because this isn't healthy for anybody. Um, but, but invite people to come to be a part of what's happening in your home. They're looking for a place. Let them be there. Maybe for others of you, you know, so many times you are driving and you see someone who's homeless. They're asking for money and you give them some money. What would it look like to stop? It's like, hey, get in the car. I'm going to take you out to eat. And you pay for their meal, and you have a conversation. You find out who that person is because of where they are and how you can help them. Maybe it's that kid at school. Everybody looks at the kid. They sit by themselves. People make fun of them. Maybe they laugh at them. Maybe tomorrow, guys and ladies, this is the day you go to school, and you see that kid, and you go over there, and you spend time with them. You have a conversation with them. You get to know them. They're a person just like you are. Spend that time. Do something out of the ordinary to impact the lives of others. Or here's one that um, has been in our news recently. If you've been on Facebook or Twitter, everybody's debating back and forth about the immigrant things that are happening. And um, here's what I hate about that. Because, one, we start hating each other. But we want to fight that, but we won't do something for the refugees that are here right now. I mean, there are refugees. This is a high population of refugees here in our community. How many of us are actually helping those that are here? I'll debate you on whether this law is right or not. I'll fight you on that. We'll lose our friendship here. But no, I really don't want to help those that are already here. You want to do something differently? Pick up the phone tomorrow, call one of the local refugee organizations and say, hey, I'm tired of all the bickering. I need to do something about it. Let me help you. What can I do? Man, they need love. They lead it here. They're not, they're, they're not from somewhere else right now. They're, they're here in our communities, and we can make a difference. You know what that shows? We're using our resources to show the love that we have for God. And Moses says, you want to love God? Use your resources. In fact, Paul in Romans, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but in chapter 12, Paul says, don't think you are better than you really are. Don't think you're better than you really are. And in fact, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Go back and read all of Romans 12. Because at the end of it, you know what he talks about? He talks about love and action. He says, you want to know what love is? Let me show you. Here's what it looks like if you live it out. We've got to learn to live out action. We, we like to focus on our heart. We like to focus on our soul. But Moses says, no, no, no. There's another part to this. Use your resources to make a difference in the lives of other people. To show God the love that you have 
for God. Love God with all your very, your strength, your mind, your resources. That's going to show people the love that you have and what's in your heart and what's in your soul. And Moses, he starts with the heart. He's focused on that emotional piece, your desires. Where, what are you desiring in life? Desire God. And he says, then look at your, your soul. You've got God's breath and life in you. Connect with God's soul. And then lastly, he says, those resources, use those. Show the world the love that you have. Show me that you love me by using them to impact, make a difference in the lives of others. When I read through this, here's what I come to this conclusion. Moses says loving God is not a hobby. That's what he's reminding the Israelites of. Loving God is not a hobby. He says loving God is a lifestyle. It's who we are. It's our habits. It's our life. It's our heart, our soul, our strength. Are you using those things to show your love for God? Are you and I, spiritually, is God just a hobby? Or is it a lifestyle that we live every single day? You know, every week when we come here to this church, we take these emblems of communion together. And as we do that, it's a reminder that God said, hey, you're not a hobby for me. You're my life. You're my all. God sent his son Jesus to this earth to die for each one of us, but to come back to life, to give us the hope that we have for now and for eternity. And when we take these emblems, it should be a reminder to us that we're asked to love God with our heart, soul, and strength. And maybe today is the day that you start to do that again. Maybe it's the first time. Maybe it's just a reminder. But I hope as we do this this morning, you'll remember that. And begin to live that out. Our band's going to come up and they're going to lead us in a song. And we're going we're to sing with them. And as you feel led, please come up to the front here or go to the back and grab a piece of bread, grab a drink, take it back to your seat. If you don't mind, just remain standing. We're going to sing together. We're going to pray together. Or we're going to sing together as we do that. And we'll take communion as a church community together. But remember what we talked about this morning. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. Would you stand with me? as we spend time in communion.